Hello to all the leaders that are listening to this and to everyone who is in this room right now. Love you guys so much. Just had a great time of prayer uh, together. Uh, prayed for all of you. Uh, I do want to give a couple of little um, um, handles, if you will. Uh, so we have our time of prayer every Wednesday. In the first 30 minutes, we take out, we're kind of all sitting around uh, individually in different spots, you know, praying, some people reading their Bibles, writing in their journals, and all that is so, so beautiful. Um, and then we take out the last 30 minutes and have a time of corporate prayer. Well, uh, what we did during our time of corporate prayer today is uh, uh, we started off, and I want to make this clear, uh, as the Bible talks about in Psalm 100, you enter his courts uh, with thanksgiving yeah. and enter his yeah. gates with praise, or I might be reversing that. But essentially, you're, you're reminding uh, really your own heart, but you're saying these things to God. Thank yeah. you, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't think it's best to start with all of your requests. You totally can. There's no like formula per se, but it's best to start with thanksgiving. It reminds your heart and your mind who God is, what he has done, how faithful he has been. And what this does is it sets your heart in a position of faith and expectancy. Uh, and then you also have such appreciation that, man, God, if you didn't do another thing for me, you have already been been faithful enough so that's where we started we started with Thanksgiving and then from there we went to our request so it's just a little um, spiritual hack if you will <laughs> a little a little uh, devotional hack that will help your prayer time be even more vibrant and life-giving uh, you just giving a massive list of all the things you want God to do for you yes it's okay but I, I don't think it's the best way uh, to, to go about it. I, I, I think an even healthier, better way is, again, Thanksgiving, and then from there, uh, let the request roll, and it's just beautiful to see how God, what, what God will do. But we have a story. I think Eric Sewing uh, has a story he's going to share uh, with us, and then we're going to go into some uh, leadership here. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to share this story from someone from our Oak Cliff campus. Um, so, okay, so this has a little bit of a journey to it. So he started coming last year and uh, went through growth track. And then it was right around the time he went through growth track was whenever we made the seasonal transition to come to White Rock for a little while as we were looking for um, a new space. And then uh, we went to Chimes for a little bit. And then we were at, uh, now we're at Adamson. Right before, right around when we started um, meeting at Adamson, he actually got meningitis. And um, he was kind of serving, but not like, like kind of like in and out, you know, with all the transitions. And um, he got meningitis. They didn't know if it was bacterial. They didn't know if it was viral. So if it's bacterial, I mean, like this can like take you out. Like meningitis is serious. And so here he was in the ER, not knowing what's going to happen with his life, with his wife, with his kids. And there were all these things that they were praying about. One of the things that they were praying about was, oh, should we move? Uh, hey Antigua, should we move uh, to North Dallas, like Grapevine area? Should we get involved in a different church? Like all these things that they were praying about. Yeah. And whenever we find out that he was in the ER, he texts a couple of the, the guys on the team and just surrounded by prayers. He was laying in the hospital bed and was getting text after text after text of guys on the team saying, we're praying for you, we're praying for you, we're praying yeah, for yeah. you. He got home from the hospital and it was meals, meals, meals. And I saw him on Sunday and he was like, all the things that I was asking God for, I left the hospital knowing all of the answers. And Shoreline City, this is our home. This is where God has called us. This is our community. And I just 
God uses prayers. He uses text messages. He uses meals. Like, here is a family that went from, like, he literally was like, am I going to die? So his whole family is now thriving, happy, involved. So I just don't discount those things. Wow. Love hearing those stories. Hey, well, we're going to have our time of leadership, and Antigua can't hear anything right now, uh, which is terrible. But we do have our Antigua campus pastors with uh, Nate and Whitney Louder. Would you guys stand for a quick second? For those who have never met Nate and Whitney, this is Nate and Whitney Louder. They are the best, and we love them so, so much. Uh, Whitney, Whitney is pregnant. Whitney is pregnant. So if you see anything, you're like, hey, what's going on here? Uh, it's, it's a baby. That's right there. And uh, I asked Nate if you wouldn't mind sharing our time, our, our leadership uh, message with us today. So Nate, come on up here, my man. Share that. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. Oh, hi, Antigua. <laughs> Love you guys so, so much. Miss you. Um, I just first wanted to start by saying thank you, Pastors Earl and Onika. We have the absolute best pastors in the world. And here's what I was thinking about today, about them. Um, they love the same, whether we're a thousand miles away or whether we're here in, in their living room talking. And I just think that's such a special thing. Uh, it's such a God-given gift. So we're so grateful for you. We love you so, so much. Thank you for this opportunity to get to share. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for today. Uh, turn, well, if you can, have your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Kings 1. If you don't, don't don't worry, I'll read it to you. It actually has a lot of tough names, so I'm going to try to get through it, all right? Um, so we're going to start in, in 1 Kings 1, verse 5. Uh, but before that, it kind of sets it up, and basically it's saying, David is an old man, okay? David, King David, he's an old man. This is what's happening. He is getting old, and, and it's about to be a transition from one king to the next. It's about to be a transition. He's, he's about to die, truly. And so here's what happens. 1 Kings 1, verse 5, it says this. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggis, put him self forward and said, I will be king. I just think this is kind of funny. He says, I will be king, right? And so he, get, he, he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never rebuked him by saying, why do you behave as you do? Wow. So just a side note, fathers, discipline your children, right? Okay. Or else they, they might think they will be king, okay? So, and then he says, he was also very handsome and was born, at, born next after Absalom. Okay, also to all you handsome and beautiful people, don't think that means you're going to be king, okay? Um, let's keep going. Let's keep going, though. Adonijah, in, in verse 7, Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Zariah, and with Abiathar, the, the priest. And they gave him their support. But Zadok, the priest, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, Nathan, the prophet, Shimei, and Ray, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calf at the stone of Zoleth near Enrogal. He invited all his brothers, the king's son, and all the royal officials of Judah. All right, so we're going to stop reading for a second. I'm just going to tell you a little bit more of the rest of the story. So this is what happens. Uh, he claims himself, self-proclaimed king, so to speak. And then Bathsheba, uh, King David's uh, wife, was kind of like, wait just a second. And she goes into King David and says, you promised my son Solomon would be king, right? You promised. And so I don't know about you, but if your wife comes in and says, hey, you promised something, you better follow through on it and follow up. So David, this is what he does. He sends the priest and a few officials to anoint Solomon king and to crown 
crown him king. While Adonijah, at the same time, across the city, across the country, was partying, right? And he has, he has this big party going on. He has this party going on with the, the king's sons, with, with all of these people. He's partying across the way because he's claiming that he is king. And so I just think this is such an interesting picture. Um, so someone felt that it would be right to go tell Adonijah. And they, so someone goes and they tell him, hey, look, uh, someone else across the way that King David anointed yeah. is actually being king. And you're just kind of yep. claiming it. Yeah. You're just kind of like acting like this is real and it's not yeah. real. And so they, they call him out pretty much. They call him out. Um, and so this is what happens. Then Adonijah went and took hold of the horn of the altar in the temple. And I was researching what does the horn of the altar mean? And here's what it is. The horn of the altar is a neutral zone, so to speak. Wow. So apparently uh, they... They don't really uh, in, they don't really like killing in the altar in the in the temple right okay so they don't really like a shoot him up in the in the temple so uh, he goes there as a safe zone thinking King Solomon's about to come kill me because I was claiming to be king okay so that's the whole story but I want to tell you three things I want to talk about three things that I feel like God just pointed out uh, that kind of jumped out through this story I believe that this is for us today so let's move forward with these three things the first thing is this what happens the question what happens when we exalt ourselves what happens when we exalt ourselves like King Adon- like Adonijah not King did first thing is is King Adonijah actually actually looked pretty confident, right? It looked good. He was having this big party, right? All of the king, he actually had a lot of people come and support him and show support and say, look, even the king's sons came and showed support. And one of the priests came and showed support, right? So that's what it looks like at first. But self-exaltation, self-centeredness, and self-focus will always result in a short-lived glory. Will always result in a short-lived glory. And I don't know about you, but I believe we are called to an eternal glory. We're not called to a short-lived glory. We're called to an eternal glory because our glory is not our own. Our glory is from the Father. So anything that comes our way, you point it straight back to the Father because that is His. It is not yours. So what area of our lives are we exalting ourselves? What area of our lives? When we go in to serve on hosts on a Sunday, are we saying, hey, uh, I want to do this because I want people to know my name and I want to be able to wear the tag and the, and the lanyard. And I, I, it's a cool thing to do. Or are we doing it because we're representing the Father? And we're connecting people to the Father with those smiles and those hugs. When you're leading a connect group, is that connect group just so that you can grow it bigger than everyone else's connect group? Or is it just so that you can say, hey, come, come to my address in my home this is my name are you glorifying the name of the father through your connect group through what you're doing as you're growing in your leadership and in your in your influence is the reason for growth for you or is it for the king of kings because we have to keep it the main thing the main thing we have to exalt the father because you know what happens when we exalt ourselves this is what can start to happen. We see it in Adonijah. We can see it here. Our righteousness starts to fade. Wow. This is what happens when we exalt ourselves. Our hope in Christ starts to fade. Yeah. This is what happens. Our confidence starts to fade. Before, at the beginning, he was confident, right? Yeah. He was asking all the sons, kings, come. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the story, he is cowering in, in fear yeah. of the king. So he lost his confidence, right? And his confidence only lasted as long as his party lasted. That's really, that's really what it was. Our, our influence starts to fade. Our influence starts to fade. People may look at him at first with as being influential, but it starts to fade if it's about yourself. Our next steps start to be unclear. I mean, seriously, what was he going to do next? 
What was, what was his next move? He had already sacrificed all the fat and calves, right? He had already done all the party. What was his next move? We lose direction. We lose vision. We start to doubt everything in our lives. You can't trust your own decisions anymore because your decisions start to be all about comparison and, and pride and myself and what I'm focused on and my self-exaltation. We can't trust our decision-making process anymore. So that's the first one, okay? That's the first one. Number two is this. There is power in being chosen. There's power in being chosen. So here's the thing. King Solomon was chosen by King David. He was chosen to be on that throne. He was chosen. And I want every one of us to understand that we are chosen. We are chosen. And you are chosen to carry the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through the Holy Spirit with you in everything that you do. In every place that you step your foot, you are called to claim it for the kingdom of heaven. That is, you are chosen to do that. Don't think that it is someone else's job. That is your job. You are chosen to be amazing littles directors. You are chosen to be amazing hosts team leaders yeah. you are chosen absolutely but it's not about you it's about the father you are chosen but it's about the father understand that the reason you have influence and authority is not because of how awesome you are the reason you have influence and authority is because you were chosen by the king Solomon he had influence Adonijah had none Adonijah had no influence because he wasn't chosen by the king you're chosen so recognize you're chosen as you walk in confidence in all that you do and everything you set you set your hands to and the last Last one is this, promise follows his presence. Promise follows his presence. And I want us to think about this one a little bit. Here's the thing. We're looking at the life of David and then transitioning into Solomon. But David was descendant from Abraham, Isaac, Judah, Jesse, David, and then Solomon. And later in the lineage, Jesus. Yeah. This, is the, this is the lineage that was set forth yeah. for Jesus. And here's the thing. From the very beginning, the children of Israel, you know what they did is they followed the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. They yeah. followed the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God the Father. Yeah. It represented, when, when God parted the Red Seas, the Ark of the Covenant went in first. Yeah. Because they followed the presence of God into victory. They followed the presence of God into battle. The presence of God was what led them in everything that they did. No matter what, no matter what, they followed the presence of God. So here's the thing. Solomon was chosen. To be in this lineage for a reason, yeah. right? Yeah. And they were following his presence in the same manner that they had did since that they had done since their four, their forefathers. Yeah. But here's what I want us to see: Adonijah, he ran to the temple to the horn of the altar, but only after the fact. He ran to the horn of the altar after the fact, after his life was falling apart, after he was in yeah. fear, he was in yeah. pain, he was worried. He, everything that he had put his hand to started to fail. Yeah. He was thinking to himself, I have nothing left to live for. And then he runs to the temple. Wow. But the way that Solomon and the way that God designed it and the way that we are called to live our life is we follow the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We don't step one foot without his presence. We need to move when his presence moves and not any other type. When something seems right practically or seems right in our brain, we don't take a movement unless God has called us to in his presence. We're a church who runs to the horn of the altar in the good times and in the bad. We run whenever things look good, when, when we face victories or defeat. We run no matter what to the altar, to the temple, and say, Father God, I am desperate for your presence. 
Because there is nothing else that sustains. We don't just end there. We start there. That's who we're going to be as a church. We don't end there. And, and the leaders of this house will follow his presence, I believe this, and cling to the altar because we will run to the altar because God has called us to, to do that first and foremost. This is why our pastors are so incredibly um, uh, faithful to remind us that the prayer meeting that we just had is the most important meeting of the week. Because what we do in there is we go into battle for people. We go into battle for the ones we're keeping his presence at the forefront of everything that is happening here. Not anything else, not any, not anyone else, but it's about his presence. That's why we come early on Sundays and pray over the auditorium seats, right? And, and don't wait till someone asks you to. Come. Come pray. Come pray. That, that is all of our responsibility to welcome his presence in on Sundays and to recognize God. If he is moving in this place, it is because his presence exists. It's because his presence exists here. And, and our pastors have exemplified that for us so, so clearly. And I want us to recognize it is all of our responsibilities. Grab your friends. Bring them this Sunday. Bring them before first, before second, before third. You be praying over and not just God bless the Sunday, but God, go in deep for people and fight on behalf of them and recognize that we are called to bring God's presence and to welcome it. Pastors Earl and Nika started this church. When they started this church, they followed his presence to this place, right? And that's not changing. That, that's who we are as a church. Pastors Earl and Nika have let us know that. And, and nothing about this church will ever change away from his presence. So in 100 years, in 200 years down the road, when all of us are long gone, when all of us are long gone, when, when our names have been completely yeah. forgotten, yeah. the legacy of this church, when we are all long gone, there will be a lasting legacy. I believe that with all of my heart. There will be an impactful, lasting legacy on the next generation and the next and the next and the next. But that generation, that lasting generation, that legacy is not about the name of Shoreline. It's not about your name. It's not about my name. It is about the name of Jesus and the presence of the Father. And there is absolutely nothing else that the legacy will look like except for his presence. A legacy of his presence. A legacy of his presence is being created Sunday after Sunday. A legacy of understanding what it looks like when you follow his presence. Promises will come. That is so good. I love you guys so, so much. Wow.